Well, welcome in to another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Larry Raglan, and we do exactly what the name of this podcast is. We are speaking to the leaders that are the influencers, that are the thinkers, um, that are the pastors, the ministers that are speaking in this moment to what we call the remnant. Because, you know, slowly but surely, we're seeing the remnant rise. Um, we thank God for those that have stayed the course, those that have not made the decision to quit God, quit church, deconstruct their faith right out of their, you know, out of believing in anything. So that's a blessing uh, that, you know, the fact that you're listening to this podcast speaks volumes um, that where you are and where your mindset is in this day and age. So we thank God for you. Um, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you hit that follow button, subscribe button, whatever it's called on your app, and give us a review that will help us tremendously. And then lastly, share this podcast with as many people as you can, especially those in leadership that feel alone, that feel you know isolated, feel like they're battling burnout, battling you know they're just at a place where they don't know what to do. And that's what this podcast is all about. And today I'm going to go straight into it. I'm going to hit right into what's on my heart. Uh, and I just feel like I've got to flow into it. I'm not going to talk much more about the logistics of following a podcast. Let's get into it. Today I want to talk about, you know, just seeing yourself the way God wants you to see yourself in this moment. There's many things that we can use to identify, to know our identity. I talk a lot about identity. The world's talking about identity. There's a lot of confusion about identity. They call it now even identity politics. They call it, you know, the, you got, you know they're trying to teach children, uh, kindergarten children, uh, to be confused about their identity of whether they're a boy or girl. I'm just being real with you guys. There's just a uh, an all-out assault against identity. And, you know, ultimately that's the, that's the weapon of the enemy. To If you lose your identity in who God has called you to be, and you don't know who you are in God, it's going to be very difficult for you to be who God wants you to be. So there's all kinds of things I could talk about when it comes to identity, but I want us to see ourselves in particular, one, one particular way, because this is a leadership podcast, and this is a leadership podcast that's speaking to the remnant. So I want you to do something. I'm encouraging you to do something. I want you to just say these words. I am a voice not an echo. I will be a voice and not an echo. I believe it was Albert Einstein that was the first one to say that, that famous person that was quoted saying that's been passed down for years. Um, I don't want to be an echo. I want to be a voice. And today we're being literally programmed through social media, quite frankly, through, through podcasts, YouTube, and so forth, to follow the mantra, to get in line, lockstep, repeat, 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 repeat. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be a voice. Uh, and that's what I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today. This might be a shorter than normal podcast. But God's been speaking to me. Larry, you've got to be a voice. Your church has got to be a voice. You've got to pour and equip into other pastors and remind them to be a voice. Do not be silent in this moment because that's what the enemy's trying to do. Even as I speak right now, there's news breaking uh, at the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, I don't want to speak too much about more about that, but could be a very landmark ruling that was supposedly leaked out. And just like you would imagine, you would go to um, one particular left-leaning news broadcast, 
and they're on one side of the issue going, oh, my God, this is this is the most catastrophic thing ever. You go to the right leaning. It's the greatest thing in the, in the ever, ever because you expect them to echo uh, whatever channel it is that of what they lean towards politically. You go on Twitter, the people that are far left, far right, you can all, almost already predict what they're going to say, and that's exactly what's going to say. And then you scroll down, and you see all the lefts, are saying exactly the same thing. Like they had talking points, all the rights are saying exactly the same thing. They're following the talking points. But the reality is this. It's more than talking points. It's more than uh, following the and echoing what other people are saying. It is that God has called us to speak up. We are the voice. Uh, Paul said in the book of Romans that how can, how can somebody believe in what they have not heard? How can they believe in what they have not heard and how, they he, how would they hear unless there is a preacher? And how can he preach unless he be sent? So God has sent the preacher to preach the word and to speak the word. But quite frankly, we've got too many coward preachers now that are afraid to speak the word. But I want to go further and say, I need you to understand that if you're a child of God, you're a preacher. You might not be a pastor. You might not be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. But I'm going to tell you what you are. You are a preacher. The, the Great Commission, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel, is, is not a suggestion, number one. And number two, it wasn't just to an elite group of men. It was to every believer. Uh, we, we have been commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news. Every time you turn on the news in our world, it's bad news. Bad news is what makes money. Good news does not sell uh, broadcasts. It does not sell books. People want tragedy. People want to feel uh, hopelessness and then... Uh, you know, somebody come in and be the savior of the world uh, other than Jesus, quite frankly. But God has called you to be a voice, a voice. You need to say that over yourself. I refuse to be anything other than a voice in this day. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not just, I'm not just talking about not echoing um, people that don't people that are not biblical and people that are atheists. And you certainly don't want to echo their thoughts, but I'm talking about some of these big time preachers that are out there. Uh, that has big followers or big influencers and all this, and some of them even for the Lord, just because they said something mean you have to, to be an echo of it. I'm not saying that there aren't things that you can hear from others that can be very beneficial that you can certainly repeat and speak uh, because that that is absolutely appropriate. But uh, just because somebody has um, you know 50,000 followers on Instagram does not mean that they are a voice in the kingdom. They may be a voice straddling the fence. There may be a voice, quite frankly, that's strategically being used by the enemy to plant nuggets of things in your mind to turn you away from the mission and the mandates on your life. We are called to be a voice not of our will, but a voice of the will of God. See, the voice, a voice is, is the most powerful thing in the world. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. It doesn't literally mean your tongue that's inside your mouth. It means that that word tongue means your language, your voice. The power, life, and death is in your voice. Whatsoever things you say, when you speak to that mountain, that mountain will obey. When you tell that mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, it will do it. Not because uh, you thought it, not because you felt it, but because you spoke to it. You had used your voice. You used that built-in creative power that God put within your mouth, within your tongue. Even, even creation itself, if you think about it, was created with a voice. 
you know, Genesis chapter one, the very beginning of it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void. Darkness on the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And creation had to respond to the voice of God. He spoke it into existence. He literally spoke to nothing and nothing became something. Now, of course, I know that you automatically are saying, well, that's the voice of God. That's not my voice. Well, hold on. Before we get there, let me cover a few other things that came from a voice. When it was time for God to free his people from, from the bondage of the Egyptian people, Moses is uh, taking care of the sheep. You know, he'd been gone for 40 years, and he would got used to his life, and God knew it was going to take something to really shake him up. So he, he appeared to him in what is known as the burning bush. He had a burning bush experience. He turned to see this tree that was on fire but yet not consumed. That was pretty awesome, but that didn't really change the situation. The thing that changed the situation is that God spoke out of that burning bush to Moses, told him to take off his shoes where you are standing. It's holy ground. All of this was the voice of God. He didn't see God, but he heard God. The mandate, think about this, to deliver God's people out of bondage that would create the book of Exodus, create all the stories of the wandering in the wilderness, all the amazing, powerful things that we read about, what happened, the ten plagues, when he told them to let my people go, all these kind of things, all originated from a voice coming out of that bush. That is powerful when you think about it. A voice coming out of a bush was the mandate. Couldn't see who was saying it, but he could hear it. And that voice so shook him that it inspired someone who didn't even think he had the ability to even talk. He did not qual- He did not think he was qualified, but he could not resist the voice. And, of course, you know, Moses then took, went, and what did God tell him to do? He didn't just go say, go, let, go, go get my people and bring them to me. He understood that it was going to take a voice to free his people. So the, the, the mandate and the command that came out of that bush was not go back into Egypt and just, you know, in the middle of the night, go tell everybody, let's go. No, he knew there was a system of authority in place, and he knew that, you know, the children, the children of Israel mentally had so convinced themselves now they'd been beat down so much by the Egyptian people that they didn't feel like they had any authority, that they were not going to do anything until they were released to go by the Pharaoh. So God said, here's how it's going to all go down. You're going to go before Pharaoh, and you're going to say with your voice, let my people go. How famous is that line? Charlton Heston (laughs) in the Ten Commandments, but it was before Charlton Heston. Spoiler alert, it's in the actual Bible. Uh, But he said, go tell him, let my people go. What was it? It was the voice. When he would go and he, the plagues came as, and followed the voice of Moses. Very, very powerful. Think about it. So they finally let him go. They get out in the wilderness. They're wandering through the wilderness. And then God finally says, I want you to come up on the mountain. I want you to come see me. Come up here and let me, let's spend some time together. So Moses goes up on the mountain. And up on the mountain, God carves the Ten Commandments into the tablets. But there's no doubt that when he was carving it, he was speaking it as well. He was speaking to Moses. So the covenant, the old covenant was created by a voice. When you get to the new covenant, when you get into the birth of Jesus Christ, Mary had an angel come to her and speak. The way that she was was told what was going to happen to her, the way she had uh, an opportunity to know the plan of God was the Bible says, and the angel spoke and the angel said to him, use the power of his voice and spoke to him on behalf of God. And he spoke with such authority that it, it was very obvious to Mary that this was, this was very real. 
And then what happened? What sealed the deal with Mary being a willing vessel as a virgin to give birth to Jesus? It says, be it done unto me. She spoke it with her voice, which was her authority. She told the angel with her voice, I receive it. I speak it. I say, be it done to me. Of course, the angel came and spoke to Joseph as well with the power of the voice and said, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. She's with child. She is with the child of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to have to defend that. Think about this, too. When it was come time for Zechariah and Elizabeth to, to have a child, she was barren, and she'd been praying. He'd been praying. And, of course, they're the parents. If you don't know this, I'm talking about the parents of John the Baptist. When, when the angel came to Zechariah when he was in the, te- the temple, the tabernacle, doing the priestly work, he came to him and he told him, You're going to have, your wife's going to have a son. You're going to name him John. Well, of course, Zechariah, if you read the Bible, was, he didn't believe it. He began to speak doubt. What happened? The, the voice was so powerful. The power of the voice is so powerful. And the kingdom understands the power of the voice so much that the angel uh, under the under the authority and the command of God, said, this is what God said to you. I'm going to seal your mouth up. I'm, I'm going to literally make it where you can't talk until John is born because I know you are the authority over this child, and if you speak, you're, speak, you're living in doubt, and your mouth will stop this miracle. Your voice has the power to stop this from happening. So God just said, I'm not going to take any chance. So he literally sealed the mouth of Zechariah and would not allow Zechariah to speak until John the Baptist was born. Is that crazy or what? That's the power of the voice. And just a little side note here, go all the way back to original sin. The original sin came from a conversation, the power of the voice, that serpent used its voice to speak into Eve little by little by little and replace the good news in her and cause her to believe uh, the lie. And then the snowballed from there. So back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born, of course. And, uh, you know, him and Jesus were probably for many, many years raised together as cousins. They knew each other very well. And then we get to where we really begin to learn about John. And the Bible says that in at some point, and we don't know when it was, John, you know, left his home. And he was told by God to go to the wilderness, to the wilderness. And when he got to the wilderness, he stayed there for many, many, probably, I would say years, uh, certainly for a very long time. And, and then we pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 19. It says, now this is the testimony of John. We're talking about John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, look, watch this, they came to him. He's, he's actively, now he's come out of the, he's, he's already come out of the wilderness. And the Bible said in the wilderness he ate locusts and wild honey, and he was a wild-looking dude, y'all. Um, his clothes was camel's hair. And, man, when he was just nothing really pretty to look like. He look at. He would not have made a great Instagram influencer, okay? Let me just tell you, um, because he didn't he didn't fit the, the bill, and there wasn't no filters. But um, but he, he was, he'd already was well into his ministry. You know, thousands of people were coming to hear him speak, and – Hundreds a day, I'm sure, if not more, were going down into the River Jordan where he was and was being baptized. Of course, John said, I baptize the baptism of repentance. I baptize, repent, and be converted, and all of that for, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm 
preparing the way, you know, for someone whose shoes I'm not worthy to lose. But let's let's see what happens. Let's back up here and don't get sidetracked. All right, focus, focus, focus. Watch this. I want you to see how the enemy came to John to try to sidetrack John. Uh, it's all about identity. It's all about voice, and it's all about identity. So here's how your identity is challenged. It's challenged by questions. It's challenged by the voice of people of influence. And the Bible says, now this is a testimony of John, John chapter 1, verse 19. When the Jews, listen to this, very key to listen to it, sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. All right, so they're on a mission. There's a group of people that are on a mission uh, from Jerusalem to find John, wherever part of the Jordan River he's at. And instead of asking him, you know, some deep theological question or whatever, their question was this, who are you? Who are you? And he confessed, you know, basically when he says he confessed, that means that he, they asked, you know, who are you? And he confessed, meaning he responded, my name is John, basically. He did not deny that he was the John that they had heard of. But he said, so somewhere either it had been implied that the the priest and Levites already believed that he thought this or it was asked of him as well. And we don't have it in the text, but uh, he says, he did not deny who he was, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. So he said, I know who I am, and I know who I am not. I am not the Messiah. So they asked him, said, okay, well, if you're not the Messiah, they couldn't let it go. Then then what then? He says, are you Elijah? So so they, they go to the most famous prophet in, in uh, Israeli history, Jewish history. They go to, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. And then they said, are you the prophet? The prophet. More than likely uh, could could have been any prophet. Some people believe he's talking about Isaiah, uh, some other, you know, you fill in the blank. They probably asked him, they probably quoted almost all of the, of the major prophets. Uh, and every one of them, he answered no. But they couldn't let it go. And listen to the words of the power of how what you say in your identity parallels together. Verse 22, it says, then they said to him, well, then who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? In other words, our whole mission that we have been sent here to talk to you in the River Jordan, to find you, is to find out who you say, listen to me, who you say with your voice you are. Because we live in a culture now where it's not about you know, you know, nobody really even cares in, in the world, the culture out there, who you really are. It's almost like everything that's on any kind of legal document now, whether it be a passport, a driver's license, a birth certificate, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what your name is. You, you can just say, well, I don't, I'm not that name anymore. This is my name. doesn't matter what your sex, your biological sex is. Well, I chose, you know, I'm, I'm no longer this gender. I'm another gender. Or I'm both genders. Or I'm I'm about five genders. I mean, I've... I, I go through five, six, seven genders a day. And they got all kinds of different words for that. Different pronouns, if you will, for that. And it's and it's not none of those identification words are rooted in anything that is factual. It's rooted in simply what the people say about themselves, who they say they are. So isn't it interesting that, you know, don't want to go too deep on this, but I don't know if you knew this or not, but the last Old Testament prophet was John the Baptist because the New Testament begins at the death of Christ. 
So the last full Old Test, full-fledged Old Testament prophet was John the Baptist. If you really want to get deep, um, Jesus uh, ultimate, it was the ultimate bridge of the of the gap because he was really an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet because he spoke into into the world in the uh, before his death and he spoke into the world after his death. So. But that being said, you know, that's Jesus. I'm talking about the last actual person who doesn't happen to be God, prophet, uh, was John the Baptist. And it's so amazing that they needed to know who he thought he was. Because if they could confuse him, and here's why they were setting him up. Think about this. Think about the loaded questions that they gave him. Number one, they must have asked him, are you the Messiah? Because he said, I am not the Messiah. Then they must have, then they went right next to under the Messiah. Are you Elijah? I'm not Elijah. Then they start naming off, are you the prophet? No, I'm not. What are they trying to do there? They don't really even care who that he thinks he is. They're trying to capitalize on his popularity, on his celebrity. They're trying to capitalize on the fact that he's probably the most prominent voice, prominent voice in Jerusalem that is anti-current uh, government, anti-current uh, religious system. So they want to know, who do you say you are? Because if they, they, I think they probably thought that he was so popular that if they were to really stroke his ego and give him the opportunity to say that he was the Messiah or maybe even say that he was Elijah or Isaiah or Zechariah or whoever, then it would go to his head because the moment he would accept that new identity, and, and, and say that over himself and respond as that, then he would no longer be who God had said he was. He would no longer be operating in God's will. He would be operating in the flesh's will. So they knew, look, it is very important. Our assignment was to know who you say you are, not who you are. We know your name is John. We know where you were born. We know who your mom and daddy is. We want to know what is your identity? Who do you say you are? And we got to have an answer. We are we going to be in serious trouble? So just give us something so that we can go back and tell them this is what you said. So let's look at that again. He said, well, then, then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What? Listen to the words they say. What do you say about yourself? Use your voice and speak about yourself. And he said, listen to what he said, my God is so powerful. He said, verse 23 of John chapter 1, I am the voice, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He didn't say, I am Isaiah. He quoted Isaiah, and he quoted that he understood, I know exactly what my role is. I know exactly who I am. Now, the reason he knew who he was, of course, God could have just audibly told him, you know, you are the forerunner. You are the the one that prepares the way for the Messiah. But you know what? You know who who, who was told that first? Elizabeth, his mama. Uh, so all his life, his mama and his daddy probably, because uh, God finally loosed his tongue, they poured into John. They spoke over John. Now, listen, life's not going to be easy. You're going to go through some things, and they knew that it would probably end pretty badly for him because they knew the religious system and the political system was going to come against Jesus. 
and that he was the preparer of the way so that, you know, he just they just knew it was probably going to end badly for their son. But it didn't stop them from speaking, using that voice to speak. Son, listen to me. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're going to who, who knew I guarantee he never he was all excited to at some point And maybe he was nervous about being that voice being told that he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy of the forerunner. But I promise you this. He probably didn't anticipate all the agony of the nights of of lack of food and nutrition and being cold in the wilderness out there by himself while he was being prepared. But what was happening is everything that was in the flesh, the flesh was being burned out of him in that wilderness so that when he came out of that wilderness, he came out not thinking he is anything other than who God said he was. He was confident. He was confident that he was the voice. He said, I I don't even see myself as a person. I see myself as a voice. I'm out here crying in the wilderness. I am crying out in the wilderness. And think about this. One of the greatest things in, in Jewish culture is is the affirmation, the spirit of affirmation. So many things is based on affirmation. The father laying hands on the eldest son, affirming him, speaking over his life. Think about how Jesus began his ministry. Here's his cousin that he's seen many, many times that he had identified his cousin. What's up, cuz? How's it going, cuz? I mean, yeah, man. What's how's the how's the furniture business going? How's the carpentry business going? I mean, they're just they're just cutting up because they're cousin. But one day he looks up and sees the same cousin that he's known for 30 years, and all of a sudden he identifies him differently. The most powerful voice in Jerusalem at that time was not Jesus. It was John the Baptist. The biggest following that anybody had, the celebrity of the time, the Instagram influencer of the time, if you will, was John the Baptist. Jesus walks down right in the middle of the crowd. All of the the fans, just all of the followers of John, and there's Jesus just standing there. He knew it was his time, and John looks up at him, and he knew it was time too. And he says with his mouth, listen, what he, listen to the power of words. He says with his mouth, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And just it's incredible. So he comes down into the water, and Jesus is standing before him, the two cousins standing there, but everything's about to change. And he says, oh, he sees the glory of God on his cousin. I need to be baptized of you. You are the Messiah. And he goes, no, suffer to be so. You have to baptize me so that so that it can be done a pro, a, a properly so there's no room for anybody to judge this. So he baptized him in the water, and the Bible says, and when Jesus came up out of the water, watch what happens. The Bible said, a voice. Listen to you. Listen to me, man. I'm telling you some revelation here. A voice came out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Affirmation, the affirmation of the father. Let me tell you something. It's powerful. And, and so you see John the Baptist, uh, he, he, he basically transfers all of the power to Jesus. All, not, he didn't give him his power. I mean, transfers the influence, I should say, of the moment to Jesus. And in a matter of days, uh, Jesus uh, would begin his ministry in fact, it's 40 days he fought the devil in the wilderness, comes down off the mountain uh, a little over a month later, and uh, comes down the Bible, the Bible says, comes down in power, preaching, watch this, with his mouth, the same words that the one that baptized him was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he begins his ministry. And, of course, shortly after that, John the Baptist is arrested and he is put in the prison, in the pit, 
and he is being told that the next day he's going to be beheaded. And he's down there, and he is he's confident, but he's contemplating. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care how close you are to God. You, you're in a situation like that. You, you're going to go through times of doubt. You're going to go through, where are you at, God? Did I, did I do all this for naught, or was this for real? And listen to what happens. He, he, he yells up out of the pit. Something along the lines is, is you know, is any of my guys here, any of my, any of my friends here? And, and they were there. And uh, two of his followers came, came over and looked at, looked at him in the pit and said, what is it, John? John said, I'm, I'm going to be dead tomorrow. Either way, I'm going to be dead tomorrow. But I need to know something. Can you go back to Jesus, find him where he's at, whatever he's doing, and simply, watch this, ask him this question. Are you the one or should we look for another? Isn't it amazing that it was basically the same thing that happened to him when he was in the River Jordan, but in a different way, in a more godly way. He was asking Jesus who he was. He was asking Jesus to openly, officially identify himself. You see, John, the last time he saw Jesus, was the one that identified Jesus as the Messiah, not Jesus identifying himself. John was not in the temple when Jesus walked in and Luke and said, he found the scroll of Isaiah, same one that John was quoting, and, and says he begins to speak of the Messianic prophecy, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and identifies himself as the Messiah when he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears and sits down. It's so powerful. But John, uh, he's, in a, he's in a pit. He's like, I need to know, when I lay my head down on the chopping block, I need to know that everything in my life that I fulfilled, I ran the race, I finished the course. So they found Jesus, and they said, Jesus, John is going to die tomorrow. And he asked me to ask you one question. Who are you? Are you really the one, or should we look for another? And notice that Jesus did not respond by saying, well, you tell John I'm Jesus. You tell John I'm the Messiah, or my, you know, t- tell him I am Jesus. Because, you know, he didn't. He he already knew he was Jesus. They was raised. They knew each other. They were cousins. His response wasn't tied to the house of Joseph or even Mary or even Nazareth. His response was, you tell John, the blinded eyes are opening. The lame are walking. The deaf ears are hearing. The dead is coming back to life. That's all John needed to hear because the fact that that was happening showed him that was the identity of the Messiah. He had done what he's supposed to do. Is that not incredible to think about it? I could go on and on and on. But the power of the voice, the power of the voice, how you can speak, call those things that are not as though they were. And that's in the spirit realm. So how powerful is it that in everything that's going on around us right now, we have within us, the power of creation not the power of the creator but the power to turn things around to tell the devil I don't care who you say that you think I am I don't care what my father spoke over me my mother spoke over me what some preacher spoke over me I don't need to identify myself based on the words of some other man I know who I am the Bible tells us for as many as are led by the spirit of God He's given us power to become the sons of God. You better know who you are. Speak it. 
Let me tell you, when you become a child of God and a son of God and a daughter of God, you become the mouthpiece of God. You are the mouth of God. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. It's time for us to start acting that way. Open up your mouth, Remnant, and speak over this generation. Help them find their proper identity. We love them where they're at. We don't judge them. We don't preach down to them. When you see someone that's confused about their identity, you help them because you know what their identity is because you know they've been created in the image of God and the DNA of God's greatness is within them. The only way we walk in it is we got to go through the cross. We got to go through repentance. The same message of John, the same message of Jesus, and the same message of the first preacher of the new church age, the Apostle Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you. And I thank you for joining us on the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'll see you next time right here. Make sure you follow us and you share this podcast. Until next time, I love you.